What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today, Radical Ones, it's 2176, and we're taking a journey to Mars with 2001's Ghosts of Mars. It's time to get radical. Ensure all residences are secure with all doors and windows firmly locked and barricaded. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Not people. Brains. They're us. We're them. They're us. Oh my god. You are dead. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. The pain of being dead. Were you bitten? Uh, Were you bitten? Did any of the blood get in your mouth? They have overrun us, you know. We're in the minority now. Something like 400,000 to 1 by my calculation. The father of my father always say, when the earth spit out the dead, they will come back to suck the blood from the living. When there is no more room in hell, the dead will walk here. There's another one for the fire. Welcome back, Radical Ones, to another episode of the Radical Retro Rewind Podcast. As always, I am your host, Radical Ryan Hunter, and I am joined by my friend Rob, the movie geek, as we dive into... (laughs) The Ghosts of Mars. Rob, I actually can't wait to hear you talk about this film. (laughs) Because I I think you're going to have very heavy opinions on it. (laughs) Hi, everyone. What what kind of opinions? Well, I am going by... We did Resident Evil a few weeks ago, right? Which evidently turned out to be a favorite for people. I couldn't believe how well the Resident Evil episode did. But anyway, I am going to say that you might have similar Resident Evil-esque feelings of this movie. Okay. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. In the meantime, Rob, I love to get to say this because you always bring it back to retro topics on this show. And you've been watching 227 currently. Uh, finally streaming now, right? I think that it's been on Amazon Prime for a long time, maybe off and on. 
the last time I checked, I don't know if I saw it. But anyways, I decided to finally get into it because they streamed it on Hulu. And not that I can't do it on Amazon Prime. I just was like, oh, it's on Hulu. So why not? Hulu is easy accessible to me and I can just view it there. But yes, I decided to start 227. Uh, I'm in season two of Moesha right now, but I, I don't, that show is okay to me so far. So far, most of the series focuses on uh, Moesha's relationship with Q. And yeah. while I'm sure all the women loved him and how he was like so hardcore masculine and tough with the heart of gold or whatever the case may be, I haven't gotten to the heart of gold part. But I'm I'm not a huge fan of Q. And that's just because I'm completely opposite of him. So it's just kind of rubs me the wrong way. But anyways, Moesha is actually great. They talk about tons of like heavy topics and the show is actually a lot smarter than I assumed, especially when you compare it to the spinoff of the Parkers. I expected Moesha to be that way. And also for anyone who doesn't know, this has old school Shirley Ralph in it, who can can be currently seen on Abbott Elementary. A lot of people don't know who she is. Well, she was on this hit show called Moesha with Brandy, the musician. And so 227, I've always wanted to watch it, and I'm so glad that I have access to it on Hulu as well. And in just starting it, I'm already in love with it. I just think it's such a beautiful, happy, joyful show to watch, especially with an all-black cast. I have yet to see one white person on here. Not that it's a bad thing, but again, man, it just reminds me that the 80s, like, we owned television. We owned it. Like, it was ours. Like, they greenlit every idea from a black person to have a sitcom and this is no exception this just follows into just that that feel so this takes place in dc and it's just this street and 227 is the name of the or the street number of a building that these three or four women live in and one of them is featured her whole family and marla gibbs and jack a harry how um yeah a young young regina king i just love it already the theme song is amazing i just love it it's a nice tune to hum to and they go through their hijinks but it's all fun and games and it's just joyful to just see everybody just being happy i haven't gotten to the struggle yet that and i'm sure it's coming Mm. but i i'm enjoying it so far and i can't wait to continue to watch it Jack Gay is one of those actresses I feel like you can just look at her. I don't know. She just, like, brings happiness, I I feel. She's just... I, I just love that woman. Mary. Hi, Mary. Hi, Mary. Mary. It is a fair, Mary. Oh, Mary. No, no. Mary. And what does Rob send me a clip of in the pilot episode... Who makes a guest appearance? Ken Foray, Dawn of the Dead. I mean, countless other things, but right in time for Summer of the Dead. Freaking Ken Foray was Jack A's date, I'm assuming, in that for, in that pilot episode, so, or she was just a gentleman caller. This is what I like about this show so far. So in the first episode, Marla Gibbs, she's parking her car and she hits a BMW behind her, so breaks the tail light. So they're going through this dilemma of should they leave a note or should they just let the guy's insurance company take care of it? And so there's just this moral dilemma of like, do I tell, do I don't tell? And so they're debating that. And then they find out who it is and it's this tall, dark, handsome man. And Jack A's character 
Sandra decides, well, look, I know how to get out of, you know, sticky situations with my charm and my, you know, sexiness and all of that. So she's like, I'll pretend to be you and discuss my way out of this taillight situation. And so long story short, she wants to date him because she sees him up in person and <laughs> convinces the guy that the husband that she, that Mary is with no longer is in the picture so they can date. And so it just goes into this thing. But he, Ken Foray was actually pretty funny. And I, I enjoyed his character. And they kind of hinted like, oh, maybe I'll come around sometime. It's nice to have friends in the neighborhood. I don't know if we'll see him again, but he was a joy to watch. But what timing, right? To just kind of see him around this when you're doing all of this zombie movie stuff. Uh, I love it. And and right in time for Keenan and Kel to be streaming as well. So we get Ken Foray in another comedy-esque role as the father on Keenan and Kel, which is another classic. Yeah, I cannot wait to binge Keenan and Kel. <laughs> love that show so much. So speaking of like the retro stuff of it all, you know, 227 has that old classic like set piece where... You know, it's just like the front of the street or a living room and you've just got characters popping out of everywhere and they're just kind of like hanging out. The jokes are just so like you can see them a mile away. You know, that whole setup of who are we going to fix her up with? Hello. And then they just come in or, you know, <laughs> they just like to set up jokes and it's, it's just very classic comedy. And so I do recommend this for anyone who has not seen the show, is familiar or recognize any of the characters or actors that are in it. And just for that old school sort of uh, comedic way of like storytelling, I just think it's a fun show. And the character's name is Pearl, I believe. It's yes. Helen Martin's character. <laughs> Yes. Rob sent me a, a picture, and because she's usually seen, you know, eavesdropping maybe on the neighborhood, she, she has a pillow on the windowsill. Yeah, this is how <laughs> gossipy and nosy this neighbor is. You know, these women are used to just sitting on the porch and talking with each other, but she barely leaves her apartment. She just has this window facing the street. And she is on that windowsill so much, she's got a throw pillow on there for her arm so she can lean out and spy and see and talk to everyone and give her little one-liners on everything that's going on. Like, it's that serious. <laughs> I, I love it, though. It's that grandmother, that aunt, somebody who is always in, looking at what's going on outside. Another old-school charm of this sitcom. So I, I know I'm definitely going to be checking out some episodes again. It was supposed to be a routine prisoner transport. Williams was arrested on the suspicion of murdering six rail workers. The bodies were hung and decapitated. But here, a million miles from home. Hello? Anybody here? Drop your weapon. I ain't going back. They're about to discover nothing is what it seems. We've got a situation there. Everybody in the mart's gone inside. What the hell is going on out there? Whatever used to live here, we woke it up. It takes us. I'm talking about a kind of possession. Something's kicking out there. We need us, and we need you. None of us is gonna survive if we don't stick together. Come on. Time to stay alive. From the master of terror. John Carpenter's Ghosts of Mars. Damn, girl. 
I like you already. Well, now, <laughs> the main event of today, and I need to put a little exclaimer on here. I'm calling this, Rob, not quite dead Summer of the Dead movie. Because, in actuality, these are ghosts? Well, when you say Summer of the Dead, I know that, for the most part, you're going for a zombie theme. But this is still in that category of dealing with the dead. Um, okay, are, I'm glad I mean, you see it. <laughs> I mean, ghosts are a stretch, but it is about an element that is coming back from the dead and trying to live. So I, I get it. This is a stretch. But I mean, here you go. But I, I understand that if you went total zombie theme and was really like zoning in on the whole zombie, you know, undead. Like if you said Summer of the Undead, then I'd be like, yeah, we can't do this movie. <laughs> Rob, he picked it right up what I was going for. And I will say, I guess it gives you those zombie feels for me because I always like there's characters against a group of, in this case, creatures. I mean, we'll definitely get into it, but it's a virus. It's a possession. It's Ghost of Mars. The 2001, Rob, oh my God, John Carpenter film, which is credited as ending his career. <laughs> In movies. I mean, I wouldn't say it ended him. I mean, well, maybe it did in his career, but I don't I don't think it was I think that he honestly was just kind of done. You know, I, I mean I don't think he put it out to self-sabotage, but it just seemed that he probably did everything that he was supposed to do on screen with this movie. But I have some reservations about that. So we'll talk about that. In 2076, a Martian police unit is set to pick up a highly dangerous criminal at a remote mining post. Upon arrival, the cops find that the post has become a slaughterhouse. <laughs> With that in mind, when I mentioned earlier Rob, Resident Evil from a few weeks ago, I saw this movie and my first thought was this was the Resident Evil movie before there was a Resident Evil movie. Literally a video game movie brought to life that's not a video game at all. Do you see the video game elements to me? To me, I'll even say the train. There's a train, very Resident Evil video game. Even the action scenes when the cops are shooting things. I am getting video game. Now, is it because of the time or am I like just putting Resident Evil on top of this and like trying to push it in? Well, I think it could be part of the time that it came out. I mean, just look at the set pieces that were used. I mean, you can tell, you know, everything's on a movie set and just sort of the antics and theatrics of it all. You know, the outfits definitely fit the bill. I got House of Dead vibes as well. House of Dead, yes. <laughs> on that island. Oh, my God. What about Jason X? <laughs> 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 so, I mean, just, you know, the the quirky, you know, mixed of characters and things like that that you can play. There were definitely a lot of people to shoot at. So, I mean, I get the video game vibes. There is a little bit of, I mean, we've got Mad Max in here, too. Thunderdome, for sure. John Carpenter is, is known for Halloween, Big Trouble in Little China, but a lot of people um, may know this. I, mean, I don't think I'm schooling anyone, but just... The films that he did with Kurt Russell, uh, 
escape to New York or from New York. And yeah, escape, yeah, escape to New York and escape, escape from, from LA. LA. Yeah, escape from LA. So these were John Carpenter films as well. And there's a lot of that going around too, because it's just like this renegade hero, you know, who just kind of has all the skills to just get out of a contaminated town or world or situation. So there's a little bit of vibes with that. But then also the plot itself. All of that is reminiscence to uh, Assault on Precinct 13. Yes, his own film. Yes. Right before the remake, too. This was almost like a remake in in a sense of that movie, I feel. So with, with Assault on Precinct 13, it basically had to deal with sort of like your enemy is my enemy, so let's work together. A police station was sort of bombarded with a lot of yeah. like danger and the criminals and the cops had to band together to save their own lives as well as the station so it was kind of putting you know shit aside to make sure that they can get out of this alive and that's exactly what happened with ghosts of mars so you can kind of say that this is a little bit of a sort of like remake in sorts and just kind of twisting it with a horror vibe So, Rob, you picked up perfectly. This was originally a script for a sequel to Escape from New York, L.A. called Escape to Mars. And Ice Cube replaced the snake character. Oh, okay. I could see that. (laughs) I I couldn't believe that that's how this came about. But that's probably why you see so many elements of an earlier Carpenter's work as well. Even, get this, Courtney Love was going to be the lead at the time, too, that played the feed. Not mad at that. I'm not mad at that at all. I'm sure she would have done great. Uh, Yeah, leave it to Ice Cube, though, to take over the reins of another superhero because he tried that with Triple X and that didn't work. Yes! Oh my god, that's a great point, actually. (laughs) So... This movie starts as a flashback. Now, what do you feel about that? Our lead actress, which of course is Natasha Hedstridge? Hedstridge. I call her Species. <laughs> you call her Species. Uh, Hedstridge is, is correct. <laughs> Thank you. She plays Lieutenant Melanie Ballard, and we see that she was the sole survivor of this rescue mission slash trying to get this criminal on Mars. What do you think about that? Do you like that it tells you basically what happened to the rest of the crew in in a way? Yeah, she's telling a story, and we kind of figure that she is the only one left alive so therefore we know that everybody else is gonna die no reason to get attached to these people (laughs) which could also kind of indicate that it's not gonna be as serious as one could think right and why would you take it there with you know a movie about ghosts on a on a different planet but at the same time it's like we don't have to take this so seriously right but here's the thing for me i immediately went to the twist vibe that she was already possessed And that she's going through the motions, very uh, usual suspects, to make sure that if she gets her story straight, she'll get the lead, right? So that that was in my head the whole time, especially when they revealed about the idea of the possession of the people. But I think the idea of the possession is actually pretty good. But they didn't use it in a way to make it suspenseful or mysterious. You know, you could have just been like, who, like the thing, like who's possessed, like the who thing, got taken yes. over. How does that work into the, you know, the group when somebody is infiltrated? You know, how do you kill something that can't die when it just goes to somebody else? Um, I'm going to say this right now just to get it out of the way. If you like the idea of this film, but didn't really do it for you, watch the movie Fallen with 
Denzel Washington and John Goodman. That movie is freaking fantastic. It is so good. The movie is called Fallen. And Ryan, you're giving me this face that you have not seen it. No, I'm looking it up oh right now. Oh my God. This movie is so freaking good. And it sort of does the same thing where it reveals sort of the ending in sort of a storytelling mode, but it's not what you think. And it had one of the biggest twists for me at that time. I was so impressed the way this movie was done. This cover, oh my God, this is such a blockbuster cover, everybody. It sure is this a blockbuster cover. cover I saw for years. Yes. I saw this at the movies and I was immediately impressed with the plot and I was invested and I just really enjoy this movie. You don't hear about this often. So I think I'm going to continue to start talking about this more because Fallen is a film that should not be slept on. It's pretty darn good, but it deals with sort of the same plot that we're dealing with here or stakes. Oh, I love that. Okay, I'm adding that to my watch list. So you're okay with the flashbacks then? Because a lot I of don't people mind are it. pissed with that, it seems. Like, with the reading reviews, they said that it gave too much away. But it didn't really, because would you think that Ice Cube's character was alive? I mean, you know, like, that ending. Well, that's the thing. It, it did give a lot away. And what wasn't given away wasn't enough. Ooh, to be like, okay. oh, okay, yay. Oh, I didn't know that part. That's so good. Like, the reveal was not that big of a deal. It really wasn't. And I, so I can understand the pushback on this type of storytelling. I, I mean, yeah, when we are caught up with our storyteller's story, the things that happened after that didn't really seem to have made a difference because we didn't even get to see the action that was happening outside. We were just told that it's not over, you know, sorry, spoiler yeah. alert. But it'd be different if this story had ended in the middle of the film and then you had to deal with the outcome because we are set up with what we are dealing with, leaving it to the end to just be like, oh, here's part two. And it, that, that's not enough. That's not enough. So I, I can understand that reveal. But it didn't take me out of the movie. I just watched it and had my theory in my head and just went along with it. I, I got to say, though, once we get to Mars, and and again, it is this team of special force of police that are going to get this Desolation Williams, which is the Ice Cube character. And when this team gets to Mars, I think this set is fantastic. I would say it's simple in this fact that it's a, you know, deserty. It's Mars. It looks like Mars. But to me, I felt like I was in another planet. I don't know about you, Rob. Did you like the set decoration or the feelings that it gives you? Or was it too plain for you? Um, as far as the sets, I didn't mind it. I mean, I knew what I was getting myself into. And it's really hard for me to kind of go back and compare something a little older than than what I'm watching now and just kind of letting all of that stuff go. I, I had no expectations with this movie. I just oh, knew it great. wasn't something that I would not choose to watch because it just looks super cheesy. It, well, it is. It is a very cheesy movie. And I will give it, uh, acting is a little questionable too in some oh, places. Oh, the, the script is uh, atrocious to me, but I don't think the sets are up to Carpenter's standards. That's okay. all that I'll say about that. I think that he is clearly done better and could have done better, so I don't know what was going on. I do have a theory about that, though. So yeah, the dialogue was pretty bad, in my opinion. There was definitely camp in this. And the special effects, yeah. I think that they hold, uh, I don't know. Um, 
the prosthetic effects, all of the makeup okay, of the yes. ghosts, like when they were sticking pins in each other, like all of that stuff was cool. The special effects, though, were not held up very well. The the CGI and the computer, none of that. I did not like that at all. So dated. But here's the so thing. dated. Jo- John Carpenter was doing this on purpose. He felt that he wanted to give like a fun tongue in cheek movie. Yeah. And didn't really understand why people took a plot about Ghost on a Mars planet so seriously. He thought that everybody would eat it up as such. And, you know, this campy Western like movie, just kind of like Big Trouble in Little China, it was meant to be looked at, not necessarily laughed at, but laughed with. And, he just kind of read the room wrong, unfortunately, but this mm. it was his intention. What you're seeing was supposed to be fun and not so serious. Do you think the actors didn't know either which way to play it? There's some, I feel like they really, they're really going for it acting. Maybe like they really think this is a serious take. And then others, I think kind of get the idea that it's tongue in cheek. I think maybe that's what really, but I mean, that's also it. the responsibility of the director to kind of tell them like, have fun with this we're not supposed to be so serious about it but what about you though do you think that this film was supposed to be an authentic horror film or do you think it was meant to be received as a campy silly you know film you know enjoying every joke enjoying those cheesy one-liners especially from statham and and just on how ridiculous it kind of was like I, I don't look at this poster and think, oh, I'm going to get scared off my ass. Like, what, what did you think? I don't want to influence you, but did you think that this movie was supposed to be authentic horror? When I saw it as a teen, all right, so 2001, yeah. So as a teenager, I was freaked out by the effects of, like you mentioned earlier, the prosthetics and the mutilation part of everything. So that's what brought the horror for me. But I really did take it as a an action movie over anything. An action with some ambiance of a horror genre sprinkled on top because of the creatures. But science yeah. fiction, action, video yeah, game. I want if, video if they had went sort of the slasher route and made every death, like devastating you know chase scenes you know jump scares things like that this movie probably would have gotten a different sort of rating but yeah i didn't mind it i just i just don't remember exactly how it was advertised back then but i just remember just seeing a whole bunch of ghosts and the lights and it's clear day and you know there's no kind of darkness nobody lurking it's just bam mad max resident evil let's just go for it i'm like okay fine whatever the time the star power i mean pam greer honestly i wish there was more of her she best character in the movie and she was taken out early like i again i i don't know what they were trying to do with this film it seems like pam greer really i think gave it a authenticity to it at that point i think she really was to me like you said the best part of this movie because jason statham wasn't even a name at this point i remember seeing him and going oh who's this but he was nothing man the man with like i just don't trust a statham with hair i just like (laughs) pre-buzz cut is just not for me i like the statham in this movie was was weird actually i don't dislike his character in this but it was just he wasn't charming and he wasn't like 
funny and and some of the line delivery was a little off i don't it know was the, it was the in between of the hair right that threw you off it's like go well, either go for it or <laughs> well i mean aesthetically i'm not talking about how his hair looked it's just like the actor who had hair i wasn't a fan of just i like his movies and his roles after he <laughs> got more smooth you know to Pam Greer, though, I love that her character was gay. There's this specific line in the movie where she's coming onto her sergeant, which was weird. But, you know, I guess when you are living or working in close quarters and stuff like that, it's I love this line. <laughs> she goes to Natasha Henstridge, I need you straight, you know, like focused and on the game. And she goes, I am as straight as they come. And then Pam Greer goes, such a shame. And yes! I was just like, oh, she's a gay and I love it. She tried to come on to Natasha. What do you think of Sergeant Jericho? I mean, I was hoping we get a good solid woman we could count on. I don't know. Guess we'll see. that commander as straight as they come such a shame was natasha like the hottest thing in mars you know after all of this apocalyptic stuff because jason statham thought so yeah everybody was coming on to this woman i was like okay she must be the hot ticket but i love that pam Greer was totally gay played it off so well she was clear about her conviction she was a ball buster and she was a boss and yeah they kind of took her too early even clea duvall came off and again this sounds terrible maybe this is because of her real life but she came off i felt like a queer-ass character as well some people can't hide it to be honest i i I'll just put it that way. Not a bad thing, but... Ice Cube even calls her uh, a derogatory uh, term for a lesbian at one point. Well, you gotta, you gotta also imagine, you know, most of her roles, she's not really seen hitting on men or whatever. Like, when you watch The Faculty, I honestly can't remember if I was weirded out by it the way she did it. I actually felt the connection between her and Sean Hattesey. So oh, you okay. I did, I did. But I mean, who knows? You know, like, because I'm a cheerleader, definitely took all of that out. The minute I saw that movie, I was like, I can't see her any other way. I see her as the invisible girl on Buffy. Yeah. So. No, she's <laughs> usually playing a very emo, sort of clueless yep. girl. Always. And this one is no exception. Clea Jesus, I wish that she is given better respectable characters because they made her the novice, the newbie, the noob, you know, the dumb one who made it through, you know, training and was on this team and yet still has no idea what she's doing. And it's just like, why did you graduate if you are just so, like, green? It's... I, I don't know. Pam Greer was really, yeah, she was, she, every scene you notice, she's like, get behind me. But it's just the idea of writing her into this character of like always getting it wrong and never really taking, like, she never really got a moment to shine as if she was meant to be there. And so it's like, why were you there in the first place? So I don't know. I wish Clea was given more respect with her roles back in the day. But yeah, she... What was it? There was one thing that I wrote down with her. Okay, so this is towards after they figure out, like, what's going on and that if you kill somebody who's possessed, that ghost is just going to go out and possess somebody else. Ugh. So there's a there's a man possessed in a jail cell. He's locked up. He can't go anywhere, and he's has a ghost inside of him. 
Clea, his character, is put on watch to watch this character. Off camera, we find out that something provoked her and she decided to shoot this man to death, who was no threat to no one. Now the ghost was released and could possess anyone who's on the outside of the cell. And it's just like, why did you kill the gentleman? He wasn't doing anything anything it's just the dumbest thing and they just i don't know why they wrote her to do that it was just so dumb so yeah her character was obsolete but i even thought with that whole thing with the ghost things at some point even their own rules because if they're doing a big fight scene they're killing these ghosts back and forth and where are they going i I was waiting for so many other people to get possessed it was the weirdest thing i was like you can't just kill all these people i would say that they were mostly knocked out Mm, and not killed but i mean there was a lot of gun play going on here so i was wondering the same thing i was like where's all the ghosts at where did they go they just float around oh that's that person's not ready to be possessed should we just mention ice cube as james desolation williams did you like him in this character all right i know you think you're some pretty tough hombres you've had the best training you have the best gear you probably think this is some routine prisoner transfer but that's what I want to bang into your heads. There's nothing routine about this prisoner. We are here to pick up James Desolation Williams. I want y'all jack ready and double tough. I actually did like him in this character. Uh, it's a little bit of a stereotype, but of again, course, yeah, I'll let that go. It's not a big deal. It didn't really shine too much in this one, but again, he chose the life of crime. You know, he's kind of like a, a bandit robbing trains, you know, with his crew or whatnot, you know. So I didn't mind it. I thought that he was... a a nice addition to the film and he definitely made it fun i like his attitude you know so and i think that towards the middle of the movie he started to kind of like relax because before he was just so serious about everything he has one of those mugs that he's not smiling he's the scariest dude to look at like you just don't want to eye contact with him but once he started like cracking jokes and stuff then it was like okay we can chill now but when he smiles yeah he has a nice smile but it's the idea though also that he was wrongfully accused right everybody just blames him for everything that's going on in this sector and yet he wasn't the one to do it so they made his character likable and they also exonerated him which i thought was a nice touch as well because our lead is actually Lieutenant Melanie is a drug addict, as describe her as a drug addict, even in the a synopsis of this movie. It, you know, she has her own demons going on as well. I do love, I wish I can quote it. I do love that line. I should have wrote it down. You know, they're talking to each other and she's like, why should I trust you? Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, look, we are not all perfect and we all got a little bit of bad boy, you know, danger in us. I mean, I can tell a high chick when I'm looking at one, just because you got a badge on don't mean you're just like squeaky clean you get higher than me you read her you know so like i love that line i love that line you know like you are just as capable of doing bad shit as me i just you know embraced my love of crime and that's what he said and i love that he was just lying there so you took it you would have done the same thing see that's where you're wrong i'm a cop not a crook. It's a thin line between a cop and a crook these days. You think it's a big difference between you and me? You just got the woman behind your bullshit. Look at you. you look high right now. You know I saved your life out there. 
So won't you say mine and let me out of here? Look. My job is to bring you back to Chrysler to stand trial. I don't think you did it. But that's not my call. So let's not make this any more complicated than it has to be. Yeah, it's gonna be real complicated. You can believe that shit. I ain't going back. I love that too because it shows again yes she's trying to be this like she's above everything meanwhile she's on this job high continue I mean the whole time she was high I mean is that the, the lesson Rob do drugs and it will save you from possession <laughs> evidently this belongs to her where did you get it I stole it do you know what it is it's a stash this will mess with anything in there Come on, let's get the hell back in here. And I'm actually okay with that rule as well. You know, the body just obviously couldn't withstand, you know, the <laughs> the unhealthiness of its host. I just want to mention too, there's that female scientist. She had the Wizard of Oz treatment because she literally came to Mars in a hot air balloon. I wrote that exact you? sentence. Were you looking at my notes? I'm so glad. That exact sentence came in like Oz in a hot air balloon, just like <laughs> just like Wizard of Oz. So this is Whitlock, played by Joanna Whitlock. Yes. Joanna Cassidy. Now you know who this woman is. I've still I've seen her in a million things. I'm right on top of that, Rose. I hate that you don't know this line. How dare you? So Wait, she was wait. Which is a film that we need to do. This was is she a film Empire we, in Brooklyn. No, no. Oh, hey, wait a minute. She was. She was in that movie, but that's not what I'm thinking of. But she was oh, in the movie. I would movie. love to do that movie too, by the way. Okay. I'm right on top of that, Rose. One more thing, and this is so important. Whenever we're not alone or I'm on the phone and I ask you something, doesn't matter what it is, you always say, I'm right on top of that, Rose. Okay. She didn't say it. This was said to her. It's the most famous line of this movie. And she is known for being Rose and, and just being that boss. And she's hilarious. But anytime I see Joanna Cassidy, this is what I think of her. In fact, I actually did a tribute an Instagram post and she actually liked it. I loved it. How dare you? I'm just going to tell you. So this is uh, Christina Applegate. Oh. <gasps> Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Oh my God in heaven. And she was her boss. And oh the whole thing God. is like when they're on a business call, you have to act like you're busy. And so anytime she needs to play boss to Christina Applegate, she goes, where is the QED report? And that's oh the other God. famous line, QED report. Um, She is always supposed to say, I'm right on top of that, Rose. And, it, and that is it. So it, she was like the best fucking boss ever i just loved her in this role she was so good but yeah that is joanna cassidy i didn't even think of don't tell mom the babysitter's dead we need to do that like stat you want to talk is, that yeah is. that movie is so good like a double feature of that and babysitting the double feature yeah i actually used to watch those two movies together all the time and plus it shared it shares an actor in between both of them he took on two roles that had to do with babysitting 
yeah, she's known for that. But yes, I said the same thing. And she seemed to kind of know everything that was going on or whatnot. She played it, though. She didn't give them any information until later on. She was in the front of the people in the prison cell, just kind of... Oh, yeah. And can we talk about her storytelling? So we get a (laughs) flashback of how these ghosts came to be. What in the actual... Like, I was... These ghosts were locked in a tomb that was sealed off by some kind of inscription. All this woman had to do was put her hand on it and the seal broke. What kind of lock system is this? This was ridiculous. (laughs) Why was it so... She didn't say an incantation. She didn't use any... She just literally touched it. The thing came down and all the ghosts were released. I was like, what kind of system is this? It was the weirdest thing. Not even like, yeah, like a Rita Repulsa space dumpster opening, nothing. All it needed was was a human touch, Rob. That's all it needed. It was me. I opened Pandora's box. I let him out. So all of this happened because of her just exploring and discovering this thing and then putting her hand on the wall like i i was i was like no this is stupid <laughs> but i i agree they needed either they should have just said that basically mars had this and it just happened to ha- come out and, and this whole yeah i don't know this putting my hand on this relic and it opens mm. that's one of the parts i do- i did dislike uh, if anything well what do you think about the ghosts themselves i thought the ghosts were cool I mean, I think there were too many of them. I wish that uh, some of them, except for the leader, was featured more on just having like a unique characteristic to just kind of watch for them. You know, like, oh, there's that one ghost, you know, you know, she or he is going to be. There was just way too many. But I I enjoyed the idea of like when they get possessed, they sort of get into this mode of self-mutilation and they make their bodies very unique to how they used to be back in the day. And I, I enjoyed all of that. I thought the ghosts were cool. There was just too many of them. Big Daddy Ghost was the name of this. I could have went my whole life without knowing that the character was just called Big Daddy Ghost. <laughs> but he was freaky to me. Honestly. Very freaky, yes. I agree. Now, this is a criticism. People do not like the whole him screaming in the alien language, but he's not going to speak English. What do you want the, the ghost of Mars to speak? Is it because I mean, we didn't understand what he was saying? Is that yeah? The, people oh. said that they, it was just dialogue screaming, but to me, that's primal. He conveyed anger. I was freaked out, not knowing what the hell he was saying personally. I dug it. You know, they they all were organized. They weren't just maniacs running around killing people. Like there was a formula. There was you know a tribal thing, and so their whole thing was like, "You're on our territory. We want you out of here." But then they want to take yes. it further and conquer other territories. But I guess it's because we are, you know, desecrating their land or, or just being on there is just forbidden. Like, don't come here, you know? That's what I got as well. And the fact that they all make unique weapons, to Rob's point, it would have been cool if, like he said, that's Axe Ghost. And he carries the big axe or that one was has chains and she, you know, yeah, I agree. Something that makes them more unique. Because why is it that Big Daddy is the only one that has this commanding presence you know about him okay so we do keep getting flashbacks right i mean there's a flashback after a flashback okay so pam Greer's character she separates in the beginning and then we flashback and see what happens to those characters i personally rob didn't dislike that 
but but it was I don't I don't know that unique way of storytelling in this particular movie it didn't really make a difference to me so I was like okay okay, that's what you want to do because um, the whole suspense about Pam Greer it wasn't like the camera approached her face on and we didn't know what happened she just ran after a guy and then all of a sudden just didn't disappear until her reveal and so that to me is something that doesn't really warrant a flashback unless it explains why something was left on the ground or whatever the case if there were traces of her like possibly being dead and then there's this reveal but either way it didn't really make a difference to me so i don't necessarily have a big opinion about it and why did they film it like that because they zoom in after they show this ghost putting jason statham's characters watching this ghost put pam greer's character's head on a pike right but then the next cut is zoomed in on pam greer's head that looks like she's probably really there and they zoom out to see that she's beheaded they should have just opposite done it that way and made it more mysterious because we know clearly she's going to be a head there if we just saw them put the damn head on it we know she's not alive the other thing is is that there are flash Flashbacks of storytelling and then there are flashbacks from a third point of view yeah. so like yes. you're just showing us for the sake of the audience and it's not being told through a story you know like nobody is witnessing and being like here's what happened so it just depends on the type of flashback i think you like i guess i do enjoy the idea remind me did they do a flashback of how that guy got locked himself in the truck no but i did like seeing him from the inside telling them you know don't open this exactly i love that because that was before we knew about the whole possession thing and he's like you don't let me out i liked that stuff that was cool more of that yeah yeah exactly because you're right it builds mystery in some sense but then when the ghosts are revealed then it's just all out chaos i would say and it's just really rescuing and then there's people that are continuously found too i will say that's another thing characters will disappear and they're like guess what we found three more people to be killed in a little little while from now you know they're not going to survive these people that they're bringing in but so i just want to point out while we're on the subject of the ghosts greg nicotero nicotero did the makeup for this and that's something that i didn't know i thought that was pretty cool there we go there's more zombie connections we get in there (laughs) yeah and i want to talk about the cameos that we got in this first off robert carradine yes what the hell was that i thought that was so cool to see him right in the beginning and then right at the end i had no idea who was in this movie i wonder why he even did it but he was in it and um, it was cool to see him so in ice cube's group uh what was his name um desolation is ice cube's name in the movie desolation's crew yes so the uno dos tres so uno i know you recognize uno Dwayne Davis. Yes. Is, is the actor's name and everybody. A Nightmare on Elm Street. The Dream Master? Yes. Yes. I believe he was in Dream Master. Uh, yes. He, he, yes. No, 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 no. Yeah, Dream Master Dream War? Part 4. Part 4. Part he 4, played, yes. Part 4. He played a jock in that as well as um, the jock in um, Beetlejuice. So, you oh ha- my god, yes! You have to recognize him by his voice, but the makeup is spot on. You can see his face. He's part of that football team well, that yep. crashed and they were all bloodied and zombie like. He was a part of that crew. But I know you know him from our previous review we did a while back. 
Speaking of last summer, he was in summer school, the one who was locked in the bathroom the whole time. Uh, and he passed, by the way. He was he was the smartest character out of Mr. Shoop's whole class. Yeah. But yeah, so he's been in a lot of stuff. This movie is probably the most that I've ever heard him speak in my yes. life. Yes. <laughs> Very true. Because in summer school, he literally asked for the bathroom. And that was his scene, basically. Yeah. Nightmare 4. Nightmare 4. Damn. This character was brought in just to set up, okay, we have more people to fight with us. Oh, let's kill them. Now, this was also, he was Ice Cube's brother, it turned out to be, as well, which was kind of just shooed in at the last minute, I feel like. Yeah, well, it gave um, Desolation more sympathy. You know, like, we like him now, so let's give him more reason to sort of be on his side and make sure that he makes it out alive. You know, he lost family instead of just a crew. So, sympathy card. I I was rooting for him at this point anyway, so I was was ready to have him and Natasha get together. (laughs) I'm always trying to ship these men and women together in these movies. I want Fran and Peter to get together. I don't know. I actually didn't like Natasha's character too much, honestly. I mean, she was okay. Yeah, but I don't know if that's due to the actress or the character. I I honestly didn't really care for her character either, so. She played, to me, it was just, I'm going to be a tough cop, and I'm just going to do that one note, and I'm, oh, and also, I guess, the drugs, and her little dispenser. She had a a necklace that dispensed, like, mints. (laughs) Yeah, it's very um, cruel intention, so, yeah, I love that. No, I thought that she was a tough... um, (laughs) woman in this and i could definitely see her in more action films i didn't dislike it's just i didn't really care for her character so i mean i didn't want her i'm at the end i was like okay i'm i'm ready to see the sequel that you all set up like rob said we didn't get to see any of this sequel ice cube ends up rescuing her character after so this is the only moment the end of the movie is the only movie moment that takes place in the present drawing this this movie yeah it's clear you know they tried to stop it from leaving the actual sector from the train and all of that but it seems that they all still made it over to uh this side and so he broke her out and was like let's team up and take care of these bitches all we want to do is kick ass and the cherry on top is that desolation looks at the camera i was like no he did not just look at the camera that is when you really go, okay, th- again, this is a t- this is not to be taken serious. This is not Halloween. This is supposed to be a fun movie. Now, did people find it fun? It's gained a cult following. In matter of fact, it's described as Carpenter's midlife crisis in film form. I think that he was just burnt out and just didn't care and, and decided not to put so much work into something that probably is not... I don't know, but... I. I think that he, again, everything that you saw to me was done on a mission. It wasn't like he gave up or whatever. I I feel that he was a little burnt out because he could have done better. But I think the whole point was for him to do it the way that he, that you, what you see. He meant for it to be cheesy, so. That's the sad part because I think this does have a great concept. I like the idea that it is a possession, that it's a ghost of Mars. I think this could have been something. It's not the standard, well, it's not even a standard possession. It really is 
you're mixing sci-fi, supernatural, action. And I honestly, if this would have did a little better, the sequel might have been good. I mean, this I'm assuming it's going to turn into a global thing, much like a zombie apocalypse. It's going to keep growing and spreading and spreading like that. I don't know. Would you you think maybe one day, another 20 years from now, we'll get a reboot TV series even? like a re- <laughs> He's like, nope, you're never going to see Ghost of Mars again. <laughs> they do not need to touch this movie at all. It was one and done. They tried it and just leave it at that. So you're saying that you like this movie, though. Okay, so I always have a nostalgic look at these movies. Of course, I'm picking these films. I They meant something to me as a kid, right? I will say, as Adult Vision, not a great movie, but I did enjoy it. I will say I did enjoy it just as an, a mindless action movie that I have, you know, memories of because I've seen it growing up. But you, Rob? Because I had no expectations of this film, this movie wasn't a total bore. I got through it. It, it, it was what it was. I don't think that I'll ever watch this movie again. I can't even really think of a heavy scene that was like worth repeating or recommending. I think some of the death scenes were kind of cool but they were very quick and 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 personal you know people were kind of dying left and right as if they were just an extra on set which i thought yeah sliced and diced yeah so i thought i mean the way that statham and 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 duvall died i was just like eh, that that was not a moment for either of them but whatever uh because this movie is meant to be campy i think the movie did its job very well so it it just really depends on what you wanted from this movie but again there are many like it and there are definitely better ones to you than this one so i'd say it was okay okay i am glad i thought you were gonna even not get anything out of it so i'm glad now, that while you I like something tr- entertaining while i trash resident evil last week you know you always go with that saying of i'm gonna be the most hardest i mean the most hardest. i'm gonna be the hardest on you because i see your potential i'm pissed because resident evil has everything it needs yes. to be the shit and they chose to do that <laughs> Ghost of Mars, it is what it is. So I'm not going to trash it and just be pissed off that I didn't get the movie that I wanted. So I'm going to be harder on Resident Evil, but that's not to say that Ghost of Mars is better just because I don't have harsher critiques. So there's that. (laughs) Question I was going to ask you because I wanted to see how you would compare the two because there's, again, something in my mind wants to put these two together. I don't know. Well, I'm just more familiar with the product and brand of Resident Evil where Ghost of Mars is just like a new thing. The idea that it is sort of referencing all of these older and Western-like films and, and, you know, you know, I like I can respect it for that. It's just putting it in this particular genre just didn't work in his favor. So I think Rob's right on point. He echoes what a lot of people feel about this movie. If it's been a while for anybody, or if you've never seen this film, it is available on Hulu now. Again, it's it's in about an hour and an hour and 20 minutes, hour and a half. I think it goes fast, but it if you if you go into it, think of it as, a, as maybe a mindless entertainment. If that's up to everyone's standard. I don't know. I would love to hear what radical ones and viewers out there think about this movie. Unfortunately, the 1998 Fallen film that I recommended earlier in this episode is not available streaming anywhere for free. So you would have to pay for it. But I'm telling you, it's worth it. It is more of a psychological drama. You know, it, it's kind of like a crime mystery sort of thing. So it could be 
slower in some parts. It's not as actiony, but the dread is there. Just the idea of the possession and what it does and what it means and the fact that it could be anyone. Like all of that plays a part. And Denzel's in the center of it, Denzel. and it's just amazing. So definitely check that out. Oh, I love that. So that wraps up today's episode of the podcast. Rob, where can the lovely people find you when you're not hanging out over here? Uh, currently, you can find me on Brunch with the Hollowells, which is a charmed recap of the original series. And we're just wrapping up the last few episodes of the entire series. So if you are new to the podcast, you'll have plenty to listen to. And uh, yeah, uh, we're going to wrap up, I think, sometime in July. So uh, that's where people can find me now. As well as a horror trivia game podcast uh, for its third season, we devoted the entire season to just playing this particular trivia game that I created. And it's on the podcast called Bitch I Ain't Scared, or in other words, Fear Bias which can be uh, heard on most podcast apps. This was the the podcast that Rob and his friend Nate invited me on a few weeks ago where I got to play Surviving the Night. I got to potentially survive Dawn of the Dead 78. I can't stress how fun this is. I will have the link in the description below for uh, both podcasts, but I highly recommend Fear Bias because it, it's a blast. And you guys just did Scream too. Yeah, uh, new episodes are every other Tuesday. And yeah, we just did Scream. And I believe we did one other episode before this episode is posted. So there's definitely a few episodes to listen to to uh, see if you can also survive the night by playing along. Ooh, and you can always reach the Radical Retro Rewind podcast one word on Instagram. We're also on YouTube. And if you would like to leave a review, a comment, something, we'll read it. We'll share it. We'll love it. <laughs> Thank you again, Radical Ones, for being here. Thank you so much to Rob, our wonderful co-host. And tune in next time as we continue the Summer of the Dead. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, bye. Here we go. Party time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.